our latest episode of Phoenix Talent Talks in partnership with The Business Post. In this episode, we'll be talking about managing business growth and discussing some of the challenges companies can face as they're scaling and what they can do to ensure sustainable success long term. I'm your host, Elena Regan, and I'm joined here today by Ruth Linden, Managing Partner at Phoenix, Cormac Dynan, General Manager at Crypto.com in Ireland, and Fidelma McWork, Founder and CEO of Payslip. First of all, you're all very welcome. And Cormac, I'm going to start with you. Crypto.com opened its new Irish office at the start of the year. Can you tell us a bit about the company and why it has chosen to set up in Ireland? Sure. Thank you, Elaine. So we are HQ in Hong Kong uh, and we have bases in Japan, Singapore, the US, UK, as well as here in Europe in Malta and Bulgaria. And obviously we're just opening up in Ireland as well. Um, in the future, or in the near future, we have plans to open in the likes of Brazil, South Africa, and possibly UAE later this year, or potentially next year as well. Um, as far as the company and our offerings, um, our focus is, is, is on accelerating the world's development and, and transition to cryptocurrency. So it's sort of redefining how money is spent, how it's moved from person to person, and how people invest. Uh, we offer a Visa debit card for fiat and crypto payments. Uh, the ability for merchants to accept crypto is uh, one of our services. We obviously have the crypto exchange um, and other ways to, let's say, for example, earn interest. And I think for customers, there's also incentives, which I think are great. So, for example, there's cash back on purchases with your card. There's free Netflix, free Spotify, and uh, also um, airport lounge access, for example, is another scheme that we have going for customers. So there's a number of other incentives, which I think are great, and which I make quite a bit of use of as much as I can. And in terms of basing ourselves here, I mean, Europe is, and especially Ireland, I suppose, are, you know, hugely important locations for us as a, as a global firm. And um, we decided to build out our strategic operations center here in Europe, um, mainly because I suppose the location and the ability to serve other global locations was really advantageous. Um, from an Ireland standpoint, though, uh, the growing fintech sector here, and um, obviously in the heart of the Docklands and beyond, so for example, the West, Southwest of the country as well, are very important factors. And I'm talking about both indigenous and global technology in those locations. Um, but also the reputation we have around a growing pool of technology and fintech talent here, I think, hugely important to our leadership. Um, all thanks, I think, to a certain extent to, you know, the proof is in the pudding, the people are here, we're, we're doing well and the business is thriving. But what the, the work that bodies uh, like the IDA have done, uh, the Department of Finance, for example, globally, and then there's also the CBI. Uh, being regulated by the CBI is of utmost importance to us. And it's actually another reason why we selected Ireland in the first place. Um, we are very focused on being regulated, being compliant, and obviously being highly secure as well in terms of people, people's data and their identity. So all for those reasons, the CBI is hugely important to us as well. And so, Fidelma, just to bring you in there, because I know that uh, Cormac mentioned... Uh, really successful indigenous Irish companies as being one of the key factors that have uh, attracted crypto.com to this market. 
Um, and you obviously have set up and scaled one of those companies here in Ireland. Payslip is headquartered in West Westport, County Mayo, and you have employees around the world. So you have a geo-dispersed business model. Do you think uh, that has helped or hindered your growth so far? Yeah, so good question. So Ireland's, I suppose, investment in fintech and startups has um, taken great pace over the last five plus years. And was Ireland had um, competitive start funding specifically for fintechs, and there's a lot of VC companies are also supporting us, like like Frontline and Payslip. We are based in Westport. We have our headquarters here, and uh, the vast majority of our staff are based here. Um, and then we do have some people based in some other countries, including the US, the UK, Spain, and Bulgaria. Uh, does it matter to our customers? Not really. Like our customers are multinational employers. Uh, we basically provide technology that our multinational customers use to automate and manage their international payroll across different countries, across different payroll jurisdictions and requirements, and across different payroll providers or accounting firms. So their own teams are geo-dispersed. So if we take any of our customers, whether it's CombiLift or LogMeIn or Teamwork, who also took a nice big funding today, they actually have their own teams split across different countries and they don't even physically meet each other. So they don't mind where you are as long as you have the technology that can solve the core pain points that they have. So for all of our customers, payroll is complex in one country. And then when they're operating in multiple countries, there's a multiplier effect. So they use our technology to standardize how they manage it globally. And if our people in pace of our staff are based in, in Ireland or in the States, it doesn't matter significantly as long as our solution solves their pain points. Okay, so uh, Payslip obviously is very much in scale-up mode at the moment, and then Cormac for Crypto.com and the Irish market, you're at the start-up stage, and you're currently recruiting for your executive team here in Ireland. What roles are you looking to fill, and what has your experience been like so far finding the skills you need here? Yeah, that's right. So I was employee number one um, for, for Ireland, which was great. Um, you become a, a jack of all trades very, very quickly, I have to say, which is I've really enjoyed, to be honest. That, that's been a great experience. But yeah, I think uh, what most important now is establishing that, as you say, that management team um, that will be able to, I suppose, drive our future business, be able to work with the central bank regulators and, and, and global regulations and so on and so forth. So we're looking at hiring head of compliance, for example, head of finance and MLRO. And those are all really key roles for us. We've just hired our uh, head of risk, for example, actually risk and security is going to be their role. So um, those are the sorts of areas that I'm currently focused on. But as those roles come through, we'll be very keen to hire uh, teams within that as well. So we will have a compliance team and, and the, 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 that head of risk will hire a risk team as well. So there's going to be teams behind each of those individuals. They won't just be the only one looking after things here. Um, so it will get to a point where um, we'll also have, hopefully in around about 12 months or so, um, we'll also have um, a number of other types of business or types of roles here, I should say. So for example, product development, developers, uh, that kind of thing as well. So it's going to be right across the board between business compliance and operation uh, and, and, and uh, development, all based here in Ireland, which, which is great. And in terms of looking for those high-level uh, executive um, players for your, your top-level team at the moment, how easy or difficult are you finding that in the Irish market? Yeah, I think um, I, pr predominantly, um, I would say, our 
I suppose our experience has been mixed. I think predominantly we are getting definitely some good uh, talent coming through, which is great um, for a couple of the roles. But I would say, and I'm not surprised before I even joined, I knew this was going to be a challenge, but I'm not surprised that it has been a challenge to get individuals in on the compliance side of things. Um, I think we've, we've done so far so good anyway, touch wood on the risk side of things that I mentioned also with finance. And in fact, we have actually hired a blockchain developer quite quickly here as well, which was great. I thought that was going to be a really difficult role to, to fill. But no, I go back to the compliance. I think that's probably where I think the greatest level of competition in Ireland is at the moment right across financial services when it comes to talent. I think you've got a certain finite, although potentially beginning to grow, a pool of resources and experts from the compliance perspective. But you've got new companies like ours, you've got companies as a result of Brexit and other geopolitical uh, reasons coming to Ireland, um, all trying to demand and look for additional, um, or sorry, demand um, staff and, and, and talent from that existing pool. If you look at what's happening in the regulatory environment, let's say that's probably getting even more complex to a point where we all need more compliance individuals in our team and more experts. I think, you know, those that have certain expertise, which is great. So I will say that's probably one area where we probably have struggled that little bit more than others. It would be on the, the risk side of things. I'm, I'm happy, as I said, to say, and, and you know, the, the, the leadership across the, um, the company, I say, in, in Europe and Hong Kong, have been, you know, if I want to call it pleasantly surprised at how quickly, as I say, we've we've filled a couple of roles or we've lined up some really strong people for, um, for for an interview. And again, that's as I said, finance, risk, and also legal, I should say, as well as the, the technology and, and development side of things. But uh, as I say, I kind of knew, and, and, and it's not the area where I'm 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 probably struggling and getting support. Therefore, is on the compliance side of things. Okay, and Fidelma, I know that uh, payslip is further along the recruitment roadmap. You're in business now for five or six years, and you're currently in scale-up mode. Uh, payslip recently announced plans to recruit for one to recruit for 150 new roles, which will take your headcount to 200 over the next 18 months. That's a lot of growth uh, in that time frame. When a business like yours is scaling at this rate, what are some of the challenges you can face, and how do you manage them? Well, firstly, I was listening carefully to Kermit's list of jobs there, so there's not that much of an overlap because the first challenge I thought I'd be facing would be like a face-to-face -face battle with Kermit in the market, probably um, a referee by Ruth in, uh, in Phoenix, which we're going to be doing come head-to-head to it. Uh, realistically, in terms of challenges in the labour market, we're, we're okay because, you know, there's a is a benefit for people if they want to come and work in Westport and work in County Mayo. So there's there are both people who've left Mayo to go to further education years ago and want to come back there to rear their families or to settle back here. And then there are also people who have been living abroad or living in Dublin and would like to have more of a, uh, a rural or community-based environment or very close to the surf and the, and the mountains that we have here. So Westport is definitely a draw on the recruitment side of things. Outside of the recruitment piece, which I know obviously Karma covered that as well, um, I, got, I have a lot of experience in growing organizations to be quite big. And one of the, the kind of rules I've always tried to maintain is, is to have some consistency through the growth. So like every company goes through stages of growth and people internally have to feel comfortable with the growth plan that you're in and the stage of growth that you're at and how that impacts them personally and to know where it's really going. 
So we try to have some kind of consistent rail tracks in which to keep people. And if the organization is changing and the number of people are changing and the rules are changing, but then the kind of main consistency had to do with either your systems, your process, and most importantly, your communication. So while we have, as I mentioned, core team and opportunities for software developers and, um, and customer success people based here in Westport, we have to keep our communication very strong also with our colleagues in Spain, the US, the UK, and, and Bulgaria. So we invest quite a lot in our culture and our communications. And as soon as we can, uh, permitted by COVID, we will we will reconnect and meet physically in, and we'll rotate the locations in which we meet. Okay, so Ruth, just to bring you in there, because both Fidelma and Cormac have talked about, you know, the talent side of things and managing people through growth. Um, and at Phoenix, you are at the co-face of professional recruitment in the Irish market day in, day out. What big trends are you seeing currently and what advice do you have on the talent front for growing companies like Paysip and Crypto.com? No problem. First of all, I would say in terms of the market generally, what we're seeing across Phoenix's core specialist areas, which would be legal, compliance and risk, tax, finance, audit, private equity and corporate finance advisory, is essentially a very busy, busy market. And it is only going to get busier as we progress throughout H2. What we're seeing is very much a candidate-driven market. So this is certainly coming back and um, had stalled somewhat due to COVID when it hit last year, but certainly now candidate-driven. And as Cormac has, has referenced on the compliance fintech front, we're seeing a demand for experienced professionals in certain sectors emerging. This would include the compliance in the fintech space, corporate M&A, corporate finance advisory, asset management, and then tech and also privacy. Um, one challenge that employers are facing is that, you know, as the market heats up, candidates are now often in multiple processes when they come to an organization's interview process and counter offers are also very, very common as employers realize just how much it costs them as a business if they lose somebody to replace that, that person. Um, diversity and inclusion remains a very um, important consideration for many employers, but what that is doing is, it, you know, it is placing increasing pressure on already tight markets, but obviously DNI is extremely important. I'm not taking from that. Um, I think it's really worth noting that employees' attitudes have changed. There's no doubt about that. You know, agile working is the most notable legacy from COVID. But I think in general, people have had time at home. They now see that, yes, do you know what? This does work. They've had time to maybe, you know, revisit things. Is this really what I want? Where am I going? How am I fitting my, my personal life and family life and interests together with my professional life? So, you know, certainly as, as, as all the studies have shown, it will be a hybrid model for the most part moving forward. And two to three days at home is the preference. But for savvy employers, this kind of increased focus on health, well-being, flexibility, it's actually a positive because savvy employers are looking at this and going, okay, great. We actually have options now outside of just solely focusing on increasing salary and bonuses. We can now maybe look at investing on wellness initiatives, you know, health insurance, um, offering flexible leave, maybe offering uh, employees the opportunity to purchase annual leave. So things like increasing maybe family days, you know, it's not just Santi, it's maybe a summer, queue, a summer barbecue with the family um, and other halves. Things like this, savvy employers are seeing this as an opportunity to really distinguish themselves and both retain their best talent and attract good talent. 
So that's, an, I suppose, the market in general. In terms of then companies who are either new to the market, like crypto.com, or maybe companies who are at a smaller scale um, and now are looking, you know, maybe not as well known and now looking to, to grow, there are certain talent-related con- considerations that they need to bear in mind to make sure that they, they aren't blocked from attracting and retaining the best talent. The first thing I would say, particularly for new entrants, your initial, as Cormac mentioned, he was he was employee number one, a key critical hire. And every pillar hire, you know, throughout crypto.com and every other new company that's coming, these are really, really critical, as Cormac said, to drive on the business and to set that culture. And in turn, they are critical to the, you know, filling out the teams underneath that. However, you know, for some people, they would go, okay, I'm a little bit nervous. You know, this is this organization's first time in Ireland. How do I know they're really invested? You know, are they going to give this two years and if it doesn't go the way they want it to go, they're gone? Where does that leave me? Are they financially backed by a parent? Um, you know, are they really, will, will the Irish operation have sufficient autonomy from the parent in wherever? So these are real considerations um, for new entrants into a market. So Ruth, I presume that uh, talent retention is equally important. Absolutely. I mean, once you have identified and successfully engaged that that candidate and the contracts are signed, there's a couple of things that are absolutely key. First of all, the onboarding process and the importance that that plays cannot be underestimated. It's proven that the first 90 days that an employee spends within a company, there are certain perceptions that are then ingrained um, about that organization. So, Yes, COVID means that a lot of people are now being onboarded remotely. That may continue that way once things open up again. But certainly the time and effort needs to go in by organisations to make sure that they have an engaging, uh, productive, on positive onboarding process. The second thing, and particularly relevant to companies that are new, but also maybe that were of a certain size and are now going into hyper growth mode, is the culture piece. It is absolutely critical to build that positive culture from day one it needs to come from the top down i mean if these people are working together for the first time you know there's a there's a great camaraderie there that can be built you know if there's a lot of people that are all joining on the same day so you need to enhance that and nourish that but make sure that you give your employees opportunities to get to know each other and i certainly think you know those impromptu thursday or friday night dinner and drinks they should be encouraged you know summer barbecues um i don't know zip lining corporate you know away days all of these things that we could do they're going to become you know even more important and they need to be promoted from the top down and also if you are doing really cool exciting different things like crypto.com is now an official sponsor to formula one that is pretty amazing not every company does this so get it out there make sure that when you're going to market people know about this this is a usp this is a dynamic brand this is what we do and and you know when using your search partner make sure they know about these kind of initiatives or things like if it is fully paid maternity leave make sure that you know your search partner knows this when going to market and what i would say though just finally in terms of agile working I do, obviously, this is the, the preferred model moving forward. We know that all of the surveys, you know, reinforce that. And we know that it can work. However, for startups, there are additional considerations or for companies in certain sectors like professional services where you're going to have trainees. There are certain additional factors that a company should consider having regard to what stage it's at in its life cycle. If no one's worked together before, if you're trying to build a culture, then maybe you do need everybody 
in the office more than they're at home for the first six months. Or maybe, you know, if you're your cohort of trainees, you need to make sure that there's enough experienced people in the office to make sure that they get a robust uh, training. So on the agile working piece, it is the way we're going. But just to say what we're seeing is for startup companies or companies in hyper growth mode, they may have additional considerations to factor in around this. Um, and it's important to just communicate this with their employees and continue to talk to their employees, get their feedback. You can do your survey monkey, you know, surveys, see what's working, what isn't working, but critically listen to and where appropriate act upon those responses. Um, so, Fidelma, just to talk to you there a little bit about funding, because raising money is, uh, you know, a hugely important issue for startups and scaling companies. And Payslip has just closed an 8.3 million euro funding round, and that's brought your total investment to date to 12 million euro. So what big lessons have you learned about the fundraising process since setting up the company? Sure. Well, Payslip has followed, I suppose, the most traditional fundraising routes in Ireland in that we started uh, with conversations with our local enterprise office. We took in some innovation grants from them, and then we were supported by Enterprise Ireland through the Competitive Start Fund, and then also the HPSU, the High Potential Startup Unit. Um, when we took an investment from EI under the HPSU, it was matched funding with uh, external VCs, led by Frontline Ventures and supported by Tribal VC and HBAN Bloom Equity. And what I would find is that it's difficult when you're looking for funding and starting on the path to understand the positioning of each of the different VCs. But some VCs are specifically interested in seed and Series A investment, and then other VCs are more interested in Series A, B and, and following. So when you're choosing a VC to take investment from, um, it's it's important to not just secure the funding you want now, but also to look at to other factors in terms of the future depth of the fund from which they're investing so that they have follow on funds if you want to follow on raise. And then secondly, what their international um, connections and relationships are with other VCs and in other markets. So if you know that your customers like Payslip, our customers are, are, are multinational companies. We sell B2B enterprise software. So our customers are usually US headquartered or you know, European headquartered. They will look to see what in the profile your investors have to as a, an indication of your stability and the credibility for your future longevity. So it's important to look to see what the international connections are and depth of pockets of your current funding companies to make sure that they can be useful to you as you grow and mature across your customer base into larger companies. Thanks, Fidel. I think some really valuable um, insights there into raising funding because it is a different situation for companies based on how uh, far along the journey they are. Um, Cormac, so based on your experience at the very start almost of setting crypto.com up in Ireland, what advice would you have for others in the same position? Sure. Um, I think I've got, my, my, I suppose my kind of advice may not be what people might initially expect. Um, the first thing, and I suppose this sounds, may sound a little bit old school, I would say, but um, I find you should really make sure that you tap into your network and your network's network. And I, I suppose what, I'm, what I mean by that is I've had a number of situations where somebody has been helping me with something. So, for example, we talked about commercial property, for example. 
And um, that has led them to put me in touch with somebody in their network around benefits. And the benefits person, for example, then um, put me in touch with somebody who would help out with COSEC and payroll services. So I found that, you know, tapping into your network, and you may be surprised how many people you know when you really look and, and all the areas that they could potentially help you out and support you, but also their net their network as well as you've got access to that and it's as equally as important and useful for you. So that's probably the first thing I've really found. Uh, I talked about in terms of what we're doing for the property side of things, and again, benefits in other areas. Um, I was a little bit pleasantly surprised, I suppose, that um, there's an awful lot more open to negotiation than I thought there was. So um, I would definitely say to people, don't necessarily take the sticker price um, on whether it be, again, commercial rent or whether it be um, rates or anything around some of the services that you might be um, looking to get. Because, again, if you sit down and take the time to explain your story, tell your story to somebody, what you're doing, what why you're doing it and what you're trying to achieve, I think you get two things out of that. One, as I say, you may potentially get someone who's going to be able to customize what they're offering to you and potentially help you out with regards to the cost or the price or the benefits or whatever it might be. But also, um, again, that's where the, the scenario comes in where they potentially will put you in touch with somebody who can help you further. So I really think that's, uh, you know, really, that's been real use to me. It could be that it's an Irish thing as well. I kind of feel it might be a little bit of an Irish thing. Do you know such and such? Or I can put you in touch with somebody else. I don't know if that sort of thing happens in other parts of the globe as much as it does here, but I definitely feel it might be something that's a bit Irish. But those two are two things that I really uh, really stood out for me. As I said, I would recommend anyone take the leap if you really feel like you know, it's something you want to do and you can do. Start a business or get involved in a business that is you know, locating or uh, relocating here. Um, it's been a fabulous experience for me. But I would say absolutely you know, use your network, do your homework, and to a large extent, you, you know, let people know what you're trying to do. Get the message out there, one-to-one, or, you know, we've talked about what you can do from a LinkedIn perspective, whether, whether it be around hiring or other areas. So I would definitely say those would be the messages, I suppose, that I would give and the advice I'd give to people. Great. Thanks, Cormac. So, Ruth, uh, we're going to come back to you now to finish up today because Phoenix is itself in growth mode right now. Um, can you tell us about your plans, which I understand include some exciting news? I sure can. Christmas has come early late. Yeah, no, it's it's a good news story at Phoenix, which is fantastic. We currently have operations in Dublin, Limerick and London, but we have ambitious ongoing growth plans, both nationally and internationally. So our plan is to get to a minimum of 50 employees and add a third global location by the end of next year. Um, ironically, and people always you know get a good giggle out of this, but yes, sometimes it can be difficult for recruiters and recruitment companies to find good talent talented, strong uh, recruitment professionals. We're not immune from that. And to be honest, that, that's where we're at at the moment. So this sort of prompted myself and Ed Roster, fellow managing partner, to sit down and go, OK, we have these ambitious growth plans. We're so excited. The reality is, like many businesses, we need strong talent there who are committed to us and want to go on this journey with us in order for us to continue to grow and succeed. Um, so we sat down, we thought about it, and I suppose the exciting news is that we are very excited to announce that we are creating a dedicated Limerick-based 
Talent Hub and Shared Services Centre, which will basically allow Phoenix to source and service clients, our clients, both nationally and internationally from this Limerick Talent Hub and Shared Services Centre. And that will also enable us to continue to expand and reach those ambitious goals, uh, growth goals. Both myself and Ed have connections to the Midwest. We know firsthand the quality of the talent that you know is down here. Um, we have the you know the likes of University of Limerick, UL, right on our doorstep, producing you know exceptional dynamic talent. So we back ourselves. We've invested in the most up to date systems um, and tools, both from an L and D, a search, a tech, and an ops perspective. So we will invest them in our people um, and you know develop people who are going to go on that journey with us. So really really exciting um, and in terms of getting that message out there well now it's it's going out through the business post which is fantastic um, we have lots of you know LinkedIn posts and social media posts across our platform but just one thing you know we have done we actually recently got some of the guys to record a short video on why did you join Phoenix? Because it's fine, you know, myself and Ed telling the world that we're fantastic, which we are. Um, but it's even better, more powerful when it comes from people who chose us over, you know, longer established and maybe larger agencies. So again, we're just trying to think outside the box in terms of how we get that message out there. Um, but one thing, just to echo what Cormac said, you know, Phoenix is what, two and a half, nearly three years old. I totally agree with Cormac. I think it is an Irish thing, and that's why we are so fantastic. I have yet to say to someone, can I grab a cup of coffee and buy a cup of coffee and pick your brain on something? Can you introduce me to X, Y, Z? I have yet to have someone say, no, I won't help you, because typically we do. And I've actually been you know, pleasantly surprised that people tend to genuinely wish you well. So for any company in growth or scale mode, which Phoenix is also, I definitely would agree with Cormac's sentiments in that regard. Um, and also to Fidelma's point, look at the likes of the Leo, the Enterprise Ireland, you know, the IDA, whatever supports are out there, don't be afraid to, to go for it and look into them. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, this fortune favours the brave. I don't know, I think people are were half mad, you know, scaling, growing companies with hyper growth and scale. But you've won life um, and there's great support out there. And it's fantastic to see the likes of, you know, crypto at, at a certain stage and then to see the likes of the Indigenous payslip and the huge successes it continues to have. Thanks, Ruth. So exciting times ahead for Phoenix and a lovely positive note to end today's podcast on. Thanks to you, Ruth, um, Cormac and Fidelma for taking part today and for your very valuable insights. And a big thank you, as always, to our listeners. We'll be back soon with the next installment of Phoenix Talent Talks. Mm -hmm.